0: is Unstandardized English, as you know. Uh, My name is J P B Gerald. This podcast seeks to deliver justice, find justice, whatever, for the racially, linguistically, and neurologically minoritized. That means we talk about whiteness, we talk about academia, we talk about language teaching, we talk about a lot of things, okay? If you're new to it, welcome. I am in the process of promoting my book. This episode you'll hear today is no guest. I just, I kept having conversations about, nope, the movie, the Jordan Peele movie that came out about two months ago, and, uh, I just wanted to offer you my thoughts because I think there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. Some people love it, some people hate it. I think there's a lot of bad takes, a lot of really surface opinions from white critics and people. who. Well, we'll get into it after the break. But as ever, if you enjoy the show, the Patreon link is in the notes. And if you are interested in my book, you can also buy that. In the show notes, Uh, it's called Antisocial Language Teaching, English and the Pervasive Pathology of Whiteness. This is the last episode that's coming out before this book is officially released. The book will be released on September 30th if you use Amazon, and I'm not suggesting that you do. But if you do, you will get it on that day. Uh, And if you use other means, probably you'll get it the first week of October, which is kind of annoying, but whatever. So uh, my last, not my last, but one of the things I want to do here is another excerpt. And this one's uh, the chapter called The Great Pyramid School. I debated what to title this chapter, which is essentially a description of how whiteness has been defined and constructed and how that history ties into a present-day discourse that protects its interests. I considered calling it defining whiteness, but I thought that was too narrow. as though Although the language used is central to the discussion, invoking a mere denotation is not broad enough to encompass the work that went into creating this system. I thought of the whiteness project, as that does convey that its construction was intentional, and the fact that it is ongoing, but it does not imply deceit or harm. I had to ask myself what I was really trying to say in this chapter. I thought of my own experience in school being singled out for Various academic achievements as a black face in white spaces, and how it's positioned quite explicitly in exception to my race. I studied French and Latin, and I was groomed as a future captain of the universe to the point where both the head of my school and my classmates joked about how excited the most exclusive universities would be to accept someone like me, except they weren't really joking. I was considered the acceptable black student because I was the exceptional Negro, close enough to whiteness as a system to be non-threatening, but far enough in appearance to be held at a distance while being promoted as a prize. Now, what was that being promised ultimately? Prestige and prominence, sure, but at its core, I was being sold the idea of power. Power over people who haven't given access to the schools and networks I was told I semi-deserved. There would always be people more powerful, but if I colored inside the lines, perhaps someday there would be fewer people above me and more and more people below me who I could then turn around and encourage to follow the same path that I had. Anyone who dismissed the path altogether wasn't g- worth considering, and those who tried but fell short were similarly undeserving. Only those who pledged fealty to the hierarchy stood any chance of ascending, and any such ascension was always at the expense of others who would thus be denied the power you have been handed. Sorry, folks. I uh, now have a guest with me. Ezell, uh, you want to say hi? There's no one to see. There's no one to see. Just say You have to say hi.
1: Hi.
0: Hi. Okay. All right. You want to help Dada? Okay. So, Dada was reading. When I thought of the best way to describe whiteness and the way it had been sold to me, despite rarely being named as such... Uh, I consulted the numerous metaphors that have been used in literature, many of... many of which remain accurate and resonant, many of which I will cite below, but in my opinion, when searching for the best way to evoke the sheer confidence game at play, one that empowers a few while convincing the masses that their power is waiting just around the corner, so long as they convince anyone they know to also buy in, I could think only of the sad stories I've heard of friends and acquaintances who were convinced to buy thousands of dollars of terrible products that they could never offload to others. These people are squinted into joining companies that promise them quick riches only to find out that the vast majority never make a profit at all and that the only way to make a real To make real money is to sign people up who will pass them a percentage of their sales. There are examples around the globe, and these scams leave untold financial devastation in their wake. You can you can stay as, all right. I've watched friends. He left. He found me boring. My, My son thinks I'm boring. Okay. I've watched friends fall for these plots with empathy rather than the Schadenfreude, though, because I once believed in a much more prevalent scam, one that will give you precisely nothing, even if you are willing to sacrifice everything and push others down in the process. Simply put, whiteness is the perhaps the world's greatest example of multi-level marketing, a massive pyramid scheme, but unlike the companies stealing from put upon individuals and families, there's no single CEO laughing all the way to the bank. At this point, whiteness feeds upon all of us, including the people who bow. Before it, and it creates no victors, only a desperate battle to avoid losing. But how do we get here to a system that benefits no one that hides its subterfuge so well that we rarely name it explicitly? We need to travel back to observe the construction of the Pyramid of Whiteness to understand how this world, wonder, retains its strength and structure to this day. All right, we're going to stop there, folks. Buy the book if you want to hear the rest of the chapter where I explain how whiteness got to be this way. And otherwise, enjoy the episode where I'm talking about Nope. Okay.
1: I just <clears throat> listened to the beginning of the episode. I don't usually do that, because um, I'm usually just here talking to somebody. But since it's just me, um, yeah, I don't know why the audio's all over the place there. Like, it was going up and down, and, like, it'd be one thing if it was quiet, I could just fix it, but it's all over the place, and I do not have the time to go back and fix all of that, but um, I'm sure you could all hear what I was saying. <laughs> um, the uh, auto transcript is going to have a devil of a time trying to figure out what I was saying, though. On the other hand, because it's in an actual book that exists in, the like, like, you go on Google Books, my book is there, you know? <coughs> you know, you can, like, search through it, and if you want to find something, it could be there. Weird. And yeah, my book's coming out, um, depending on when you listen to this, it's on the 30th, so, you know, it might already come out. Or it'll be out next week, or it'll be out tomorrow, I don't know when you're listening to this. <sighs> so, nope. Do I want to talk about nope, or do I want to talk about people's reaction to Nope. And why am I doing this in, like, September and a movie came out, like, seven weeks ago, right? Um, Well, this is not a channel that's ever going to be on the pulse. You know, I don't say too much about super, super current events because I don't always record my episodes right before they come out, right? You know, like, I had that conversation with my colleague who's Burmese and I had just put it back out over the summer, but um, when I first did it, i recorded that but it didn't come out for like two weeks so you know the way people look at stuff on the internet that stuff had like they forgot <laughs> you know it's really hard to be on the pulse unless you're doing like a daily podcast um even you do a weekly one like you know if something happened a, the, a week earlier um and then you record it and then your episode comes out a week after you record it because you're going to take some time to edit you might be three weeks late, right? So um, that's why I don't even try that much. I try to talk about these ideologies. Obviously, current events come up, but mostly what you hear come up is what's in my head, and what's in my head is nope. Um, now, I haven't seen very many movies in the theater since pandemic started. Um, by the way, when people say post-pandemic, they're wrong, but also... It depends on what you mean by pandemic. If you mean since the pandemic has started, sure. But I think a lot of people don't want to spend the extra time to say since the pandemic has started. Some people are trying to pretend it's over. But anyway, so... Um, since the start of the pandemic. Um, for obvious pandemic-related reasons, but the more prevalent reason is, you know, having a small child. I can't just be out. Um, and... The only two times I've got the chance to go to the movies you know, where this year I saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is a very good movie, and it's probably my favorite of the year so far, because although I've only seen two in a the theater, I've seen a lot of movies like streaming and so forth. Um, and but then I saw Nope. Both of them I saw on days off of work, like fully off. Right? Like I took the day off, because a holiday is not a day off, because is home. I mean, you know, I love the kid. He's struggling to sleep tonight, so there's that. But, um, that's not a day off. <laughs> but when I changed jobs in April, during that week, I made sure that I saw my first movie since, I think the last movie i would seen was Parasite, which was like, it was also like, it's going to be hard to top that when I go back to the theater, you know? <laughs> um So I went and saw that. And, um... And then I uh, I saw Nope, which was on a day, I had been on a work trip, and then I took the day off afterwards because I knew I'd be tired, and so I planned to see Nope. And then I got home, like, two hours late from the trip, so I was, like, super, super tired, and I was worried I'd fall asleep. I didn't, so. Anyway, um, people have had some reactions to this, and you see this happening, especially when it's a, a an artist of color who was grown to a certain level of prominence and prestige. You saw this happen to M. Night Shyamalan, now it's happened to Peele. Peel. Not as bad as Shyamalan, because you know, Peel's movies are better, but um, the you know, you saw the backlash. <sighs> but this backlash with Peel is not new, it was the undercurrent of both of the last two movies, and for me it wasn't just, I don't think that that movie was well made, like some people say that, but that's not what I'm seeing in the discourse from, and I'm not really talking about critics. Some critics like, some critics don't like, but they're not, critics don't say, I'm disappointed based on his previous experience, they'll just say that they like the movie, they don't like the movie. I mean, some will say that, but, you know. Um, and, from comments, because yeah, I spent too much time on YouTube and watching YouTube reviews of this and this and this, and, this, and um especially since I got into my doctor program, and the discourse around, especially us, was you know, well, you know, that plot thread didn't quite line up there. You know, he explained it a little too much. I'm not saying that these criticisms are necessarily incorrect. Um, I do think that the explanation at the end went on too long. But the, the, the He's clearly trying to get at something with each movie. What that specific thing is, is usually a lot of things. And just because you're trying to get at something doesn't mean that your movie's good, okay? There are movies that I think are trying to get at stuff that either get at it poorly or aren't good in general. So, you know, Crash is about stuff. (laughs) But, um, stuff that's not talked about that much in mainstream cinema. And... You know, to get those sort of messages into a mainstream film, it's probably gonna be a little messy sometimes. Uh, that's not an excuse. It's just an explanation. I just, I know, I think my own writing is messy, and I'm not trying to compare my writing to Peel's, but I just mean, like, anyway. And then, of course, Get Out was so tight. It was short. Like, it's a short movie. It's like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. Um, and... Probably because he worked on that for years and years and years and years, and, you know, whenever he pitched it, he's like, if it's short, they might go for it more, you know? Um, And he had a small budget, blah, blah. So there's certain things where it's clear that, like, it is going to be hard to top Get Out just because Get Out was so singular, and because you didn't know what was going on, right? You knew it'd be a race movie based on the trailer, but, like, you didn't really, really know. <laughs> you didn't know that the villains were white liberals. I mean, it was clear in like six minutes, but like the trailer. That's anyway. Um, and ever since that was the case, and that didn't come out in the original reviews because the critics and critics can be bad, but they. I think they had a pretty intelligent conversation about. The movie when it first came out, but ever since people thought about it, there was a certain contingent that I saw just nitpicking plot threads, just like nit, like they they're not just they can't they don't have the wherewithal to disagree with the points he's trying to make, um. But they could pick at the plot threads, but Get Out was so beloved, generally, um, and. It, I think part of that is really just that it's short and it's tight, you know, and it's funny. It's, you know, wins the Oscar for screenplay, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you can't backlash away an Oscar. Shaman didn't actually win, right? So, um, And then there's a follow-up. Makes a lot of money. It's not quite as critically successful, um partially because it's about class more than it's about race like race is a factor it's a black family but it's not really really about race like that's not the main focus you know i think because certain things it's a little bit longer it's a little bit gorier like it's a little bit a little bit more right then you see the nitpicking again and again i'm not saying that these plot threads do actually connect because i do think there's some messy shit in there plot-wise but, you know, you hear that. But Us, I think, has a pretty strong following, even if it's not quite as beloved as Get Out. And then there's Nope. It's given a big Super Bowl preview. I think a lot of movie fans are excited. But there's still that bubbling I'm hearing in the discussions. You know, I see it in the YouTube comments. And, like, YouTube comments are not a scientific study, but they are a measure of what is popular. Um, and... You start to see the nitpicking before the movie even comes out. And then, because this movie, more than any of the other movies, has two distinct, interconnected, but distinct plots, this is where the plot stuff becomes a huge issue for people. And they're ready to pull, about, pull apart the plots, and the two plots didn't connect. Why was that? Because the main thing I've seen, and I've seen this mostly from white craze but not only, is what does the chimp have to do with the alien, right? Now, if you like the movie, you're probably like, I can't believe people are saying that. Seems obvious to me, right? (laughs) Not only do they cut directly from a flashback to the chimp attack, to the alien attack. Like, that's the scene before that. He's preparing for the aliens. Oh, yeah, this whole thing is spoilers. Come on now, people. Um, but, like, it's, it's what he's thinking about before that. And he's looking at the freaking standing up shoe. Right? So it's a direct connection, but also, like, <laughs> if you don't understand that in a movie that's not just about jump scares because there's only one or two jump scares in this movie and they're pretend, like the kids with the alien costumes on, like that's the only jump scare in the movie which is funny. Um, like it's a jump laugh, really. Um, and, you know, anything that's supposed to scare you in some fashion, it's really gonna be about character development. You know? It has to, you have to be scared because you know that that character would be scared, and it's um, it's a testament, I think, to some of these movies that you know it does not to be quite spelled out for you plot wise as to why these things would be happening. But for the people who want to be dismissive, and there's one. I don't want to come off like I'm coming after, like, female critics, but there's this one critic on The Ringer, Amanda, and I want to be clear, the worst critic on, on The Ringer is Bill Simmons, so it's not, because, you know, but if I criticize this one person, I'm going to think, oh, he's not talking about, w-. no, 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 but she's just, she's never had an insightful thought on these movies, and it's weird, and, and I don't think that, like, white men who have these, like, up-their-butt thoughts are much better, but... It's just the way it's expressed is very dismissive a lot of the time. If something is disliked, it's very dismissive, um, including all of musicals, and and you know describing so the ca- so the alien in Nope was a camera, and it's like all right, because that's the two threads here: people not understanding what's going on with Gordy. And not understanding the whole spectacle, camera, etc. something. Well, I'll we'll get to Gordy, because Gordy is my favorite part of the whole thing. Um, the camera, spectacle, alright. You want, in basic plot terms, as far as I understand it, the alien creature doesn't have eyes the way we have eyes. It has a mouth. I'm not sure it can hear or anything like that. Well, it's not, sorry. It can definitely hear. But I mean, like, it doesn't have all the regular senses. So, it needs you to look at it to really know you're there. <laughs> like, you gotta look it in the eye and then it can identify you as prey. It's possible that the movie is saying that you know, it will eat people even if they don't look at it. But that doesn't seem to be the case in the movie. Right? Every single one looked up at some point. Right? Even including the hikers at the beginning that we hear about. Right? Probably the first people that it ate. So, the alien can only You, if you look at right? And if it's representative of spectacle in some fashion, then it's saying that, you know, you can look, anybody can try to become a spectacle, but it will destroy you. Right? It will destroy you. Not maybe, it will. Right? Um, And that's not just if you happen to glance, like you have to stare at it, you have to look in the eye right if you have it just doesn't want to be you know just don't look at it like that um you know one presumes that his father at the beginning had to have looked up at the cloud or it could have just been a completely random thing but for it to go through his eye he probably looked up and saw the cloud the point is it's representative spectacle but it's not literally a camera okay um at the end, when it's transforming, it's trying to get OJ and whoever else is around um, to look at it. That's why it's transforming into this, like, beautiful green, what looks like a camera lens. It's peacocking, right? Spreading its wings. is looking at the ground and it's running away. That's why I think that it actually can't see you unless you stare at it. Because if it just wanted to eat him it would just turn back into the saucer-shaped thing and do it. Or else he would have been eaten long ago. If it just wanted to eat people, why wouldn't it have eaten everybody else who had been there, right? (coughs) Also, I don't even think a horse is enough to satisfy it once a week. Seems like not that much, but whatever. So, there's plot stuff that's a little weird, but, anyway, that's, and, you know, there's a, there's with the spectacle, with their family being exploited, and the, you know, the ancestor being the first film person who, um, yeah, first film person, I guess, and no one knowing who that is, but they know that it's in their blood, and they've always been sort of a little bit adjacent to spectacle, and it's kind of eaten them up. Even before her, their dad dies, it's, you know, things aren't really going well for the ranch, right? He has a good reputation, but they're not rolling in it. Um, they're just adjacent to the spectacle, but they have to look at it because they have no other choice. And I think that's maybe what it represents. When the dad dies, he may or may not have chosen to in the first place, but he had to look at the spectacle in order to make a living. And it healed him. That's the way I see it, at least. And, um, I see that even with the, uh, child actress who was disfigured and then came back to Jube's show. I sound like I'm getting emotional. I just, <coughs> I had something in my throat. <laughs> so that was an interesting delay there. Um, son woke up. He's not sleeping well.
0: Um, anyway, people came back to Juve's show. Um, you know, the shoe
1: is the thing that people have sort of been arguing over. What did it mean? What did it mean? Some people have just said, like, what the fuck does it matter? It just, it's just something he connected to from the show. That moment, traumatic moment, right? And then some people said, oh, that's evidence of aliens earlier. I certainly thought that when I first was seeing the trailer, that it was like, oh, oh aliens have been here since 1998. That doesn't make any sense. Like, what did he just not, he just didn't eat for 24 years, right? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, that's back when it made sense that, that would have made more sense when it was like a ship of aliens, you know, like they came and then they left you know um, but anyway so the um, there's some people who are saying that the this, this shoe standing up means that it was like the expression waiting for the other shoe to drop Right? Like he was staring at the shoe, literally waiting for the other shoe to drop, which in that case would have been Gordy killing him. It never happened. Gordy didn't kill him. So it's standing up straight and then him encasing it. It was proof that like, the other shoe was never going to drop for him. And then his look of amazement when he's being you know sucked up is, "Oh my God, the other shoe's dropping." Now that's a very literal explanation for the shoe. I think that that thematically makes sense for Jube's character and everything, um, but yeah, interesting interpretation um so you know the shoe but i just i mean like I think that's a cool analysis. I don't think that it has to be literally the other shoe, like you know weird shit happens right you've definitely dropped things that just ended up standing up straight before shoes aren't super heavy, so it's not like it's inma- impossible. Um, and <laughs> so Gordy, right? Gordy, I think Gordy's really interesting. Really, really interesting part of the movie. First of all, I misunderstood the first time the, the or maybe the sound design was on purpose, where the sound of the balloons popping. And the sound of him hitting them sounded kind of the same in the soundtrack. It was just thump, 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 but some of the thumps were the, yeah. And it's a shame. It seems like he attacked the daughter first and then the mother. And then (laughs) this extremely white man energy with the dad, who was clearly in hiding. Safe. If he'd waited like two more minutes. You know, the the chimp was calming down. It wasn't being challenged. Probably people didn't understand animals, that's kind of a point, right? You know, the chimp was not just going to kill any human in existence. He was startled and overwhelmed and so on and so forth. And he lashed out at everybody who was making noise at him, right? And um, he did not harm Jupe. Now Jube misinterpreted that as though he had a connection with the animal, but the reality is that he was looking through a tablecloth so you know, he didn't see his eyes. Otherwise he would have been killed. It was just luck. Like Jube was just lucky. Anytime that something happens you're just lucky you don't have a, you're not like smarter than the animal. You know, or at least in the animal zone. You you're not gonna understand the animal better than it understands itself. Is the point. Which is true every time you see a movie about humans and animals. So That's always what happened. Right? Um, and, you know, I think that the way the movie talks about the exploitation of black bodies, you know, in the film industry, but just in general, um, you know, I think that that was really interesting to think about Gordy. Obviously, Jim's black folks are mushed together a lot. And, you know, that show showed, like, Gordy, like, talking and everything. And, um in a lot of ways those shows are often like talking about adopting a different creature or like they're from a different race or something like that. I don't know. You know, like this animal's part of the family. It just it's weird. Um <laughs> so was Cousin Skeeter, because it was a puppet. Like what 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 just his brother's a puppet. Anyway. Um <laughs> the I think the go- the Gordy part is the most interesting part of the movie. Um, you know, a few things happened in that scene. First of all, the fact that they went back to it. Like, they, like that was so queasy when they flashed back to Gordy. And they showed, like, more. You don't really see it. Like, you don't. Um, you really don't see the gore. You hear the gore. Like, I think the sound of this movie, by the way is by far the most terrifying part of all of it. The sound, which we thought was the alien making a noise, but it turns out it was just the screaming of the horses it was abducting. Right? And it wasn't like projecting it, It just the horse was screaming and it was bouncing around like an echo. You know? Um, And then the When you think about when it spits out inorganic matter, right? You know the fuck the the aliens like shitting or pissing, I guess I don't know. Like when it <laughs> when the nickel comes like 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 it's just like well can't digest this. What do you call it when you can't digest something? Excretion. The blood on the house that was like vomit or spit, right? Because it was mad about the the um, plastic horse. You know? And in fact, that smash cut to everyone being sucked up, and then they all see that there's a plastic horse in there, and um, then you see it start to spit things out, right? Um, And you can hear, and the sound in there, you can hear them saying it's burning, right? Um, And then, you know, sends everything back out. It's. It's, um, the, <laughs> the, the the image of the people when it cuts to the inside of the, the alien and the image of the people like looking so tiny being sucked up into the like, I don't know, lungs or stomach or whatever. <laughs> it's just, like, the sucking up in the air is not terrifying me because it's like, that doesn't, who thinks about that? That's not going to happen. Um, but the claustrophobia of the scene where they're actually in there and like it goes in there and shows it. It shows that they're not dead or anything like that. They like, they're able to move and everything, but they're just slowly being, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a gross episode. It's a gross movie, I don't know. Um, but, you know, there was also Logan Paul. Logan Paul's another person that you, you would only know if you spend way too much time on the internet. He did have that Horrible video about visiting the, the forest in Japan, where there's often suicides, and exploited it. So, you know, piece of trash guy. But he just really didn't understand the movie at all. And I think that there really is to go to the themes that I talk about in my work, um, an impulse to tear down, a you know, emerging director, but an emerging director of color. This is not to say that they can't be bad. Right? Um, and you could, I would say the same for female, female directors. Um, but, you know, because I think people were really, really eager to tear down, for example, Wonder Woman 1984. It happens to have also been bad. <laughs> but people were very excited to do so. It's, it's, it's sort of the way I feel about, like, whenever you try to do. I believe in representation, I mean, if you read my book, and you should, um, I talk about how representation does still matter, it's just only one piece of the puzzle, you know, people say, I don't like identity politics, only certain people can just pretend that identity doesn't matter, right? I know what people mean when they say they don't like identity politics, they don't want pe- want to vote people for people who are just because they're black, just because, right? But, still. However, there are movies that do what I think people are talking about with identity politics or identity representation where, like, you know. And I don't necessarily think that every movie that gender flips or race flips the characters is doing that. I think that there are times when it really is an interesting commentary on the original story and a new story. Um, Of so I think well, this isn't gender-flipping, but, you know, the new lead of Their own show does, does a really good job of this. It didn't, it didn't flip the genders, they're still women, but um, it, I guess, explicitly queerified the story, right? If you haven't seen that, you should. It's on Prime. Um, and that's an interesting commentary on the story, because the other one was like, some coding you know, some coding, right? But this was really, really goes into. Um, so, I think that that's not necessarily bad. But when they are bad, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like they did a race-flipped honeymooners like 20 years ago. And it is bad. And it's just like... Or... And I don't have much more than a neutral opinion of this movie, but the 2016 Ghostbusters, right? The things that were bad about it were exactly the things that sometimes people say. And that's annoying, because those people had no real point. You know, like, the original was not sacred. It's not the Bible. But, you know, it's part of people's identities. So, anyway... I think that's really all i have to say about it's not a super long episode today um i think that people really need to to see it chew it over and i just wanted to take this brief pause as my book comes out to think about something completely different but also to understand that um how this fits into the way i look at the world and how this fits into the work that i do all right folks